Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Father, thank you so much for for your word. We're your children and because we're your children, we come to you as our father and we ask you, teach us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so now, Genesis 37, beginning verse 1. And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah, with the sons of Zilpah, his wives, and Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was a son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brethren. And they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field. And lo, my sheep arose and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about and made obeisance to my sheaves. And his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed raise over us, and shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dream and for his words. And he dreamed yet another dream and told it to his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more, and behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren, and his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and my mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee to the earth? His brethren envied him, but his father observed the saying. His brethren went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come, and I will send thee unto them. And he said unto him, Here am I. And he said to him, Go, I pray thee, see whether it be well with thy brethren and well with the flocks. Bring me word again. So he sent him out of the vale of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. Okay, now... In our last study here, we looked at this chapter, and we asked the question, how can we learn about Joseph? Who was Joseph? And what kind of a person was Joseph? And we saw several things, but among them, we saw that Joseph was a person that had a very keen sense of what was right and what was wrong. And he just couldn't tolerate what was wrong. And he was a person who we also saw was not lazy. He was a worker. The first scene we have here of Joseph is him working. He's feeding the flock. And we saw that Joseph was with his brothers, with the sons of Zilpah, with the sons of Bilhah. And they were involved in some kind of evil that God says, you don't need to know. And so, but whatever it was, he wasn't a partaker with their sin. He separated himself. He was holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from his sinful brothers. 
And we saw that Joseph, he had this special relationship. When you looked at Joseph and Jacob, you say, oh, they got something special. Special relationship there. And we saw that how when Joseph saw his brothers involved in whatever this evil was, that he felt, Joseph felt more loyalty to his father than to his brothers. So he told his father what his brothers were doing. And he knew that was putting himself in a very dangerous position. He knew these brothers were very capable and had already done wicked treachery, horrible murder of the very people for the land that they were in right now feeding the flock in Shechem. But he knew that. But he brought his father, nevertheless, he brought his father the report of the evil that his brothers were up to. And so it was all about this special relationship between Joseph and Jacob. And we saw how this special relationship played out in verse four. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. The son of his old age, we said, was the son of Israel as opposed to the son of Jacob. And he made him a coat of many colors. And we really see this this special relationship that Joseph had with his father in verse 13, dropping down. Verse 13, where it says, Israel said unto Joseph, do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem. And again, you hear that word Shechem and you go, oh, Shechem, that's terrible history. Dark subject, Shechem. Maybe they should have renamed that place or something or, or just gone away from there to some other place. But that's where they were. And so he said, you know, they're feeding him in Shechem since shivers down Joseph's spine and Jacob for that matter. But then he says, come and I will send thee unto them. And then it says, he said to him, here am I, here am I. You know, in this verse, Jacob has a job for Joseph to do. Jacob is sending Joseph to his brothers. And in this sending here, we can see this special relationship that he has with, um, that Jacob has with Joseph as he communicates, as Jacob communicates with Joseph. See, in verses 13 and 14, Jacob is going to send Joseph to his brothers so Joseph can bring Jacob back word on what's going on, how they are. Because he's obviously worried about him. Last time he got him out of his sight, terrible thing happened. And so what's interesting here is when we see how Jacob sends Joseph. Now, Jacob doesn't just bark out a command, you know, to Joseph, like, you know, go to your brothers and tell me what's going on. Bring me back a report of how they are. He doesn't do that. It's very significant that what Jacob says to Joseph before sending him to his brothers in verse 13, where it says, And Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem. Come, I'll send thee unto them. And he said unto him, Here am I. So before Jacob sends Joseph, he says to him in verse 13, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem. See, in that statement, Jacob is really opening his heart. He's revealing something to Joseph that he's anxious. He's anxious over his sons, and he had a good reason to be. He's concerned for his sons because Jacob knows from experience just how easily his sons get into trouble. 
and he's worried. And so we look at Jacob here, we see a, a father that's worried about his son. So when Jacob says to Joseph, do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem, Joseph can hear this anxiety. He can hear this worry. He can hear this fear in his father's voice because Jacob is worried over his sons. And Jacob has revealed this worry to Joseph. And that shows us how the Lord Jesus Christ deals with us. The Lord Jesus Christ deals with us like Jacob dealt with Joseph's son. When he said in John 15, 14, John 15, 14, ye are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth, I call you not servants. Why? The servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made unto you. You know, there's a friend relationship here. There's a friend relationship. There is such a thing as a friend relationship. There is such a thing as a servant relationship. In a servant relationship, the boss barks out orders and command, and he doesn't take any time to explain the why. He doesn't know what needs to be done. You know, the staff sergeant, you know, when he wants to get this pile of bricks moved from here to here, he doesn't go up to the private and say, let me share with you why we need to move these bricks. (laughs) Okay? He doesn't do that. He just says, move the bricks. And he does that because it's a servant relationship. But in a friend relationship, the boss takes the time to explain the why a job needs to be done. Sometimes a father only has a servant relationship with his children. That's sad. Where he just orders them around and and doesn't take any time to explain why. That's a servant relationship. But the Lord Jesus Christ said specifically that he doesn't want a servant relationship with us. We are his followers. He wants a friend relationship with us. And that's why he is explaining everything to us that his father has told him. See, the Lord Jesus Christ, he sends us to the lost. He sends us to the lost to bring the gospel to them. And then he gives us parables to explain his own personal anxiety and the Father's own personal anxiety over the condition of the lost. And he takes a whole chapter in Luke 15 about these to really give us the anxieties. And he uses three persons in Luke 15 who suffered a loss, causing a lot of angst, so that we can understand the father's own angst, his anxiety over lost souls. First, he explains to us the anxiety. He said, just imagine the anxiety of shepherd. He's got 100 sheep, but he loses one. He's only thinking about the one that's lost. And he leaves the 90 and 9 so that he can go find the lost one. And then he explains in Luke 15, 4, he says, what man of you having 100 sheep, if you lose one of them, did not leave the 90 and 9 in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it. And then he explains the joy of the shepherd when he finds his sheep so we can understand the joy of the father when a lost soul is saved. He says in Luke 15, 6, he says, and when he cometh home, he called together his friends and his neighbors, saying unto them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Very important to note in that verse, Luke 15, 6, the word my I found my sheep, not the sheep, but I found my sheep. Why? Whose are these lost souls? Who lost the souls? The Father. Those are the Father's. Those are God's sheep. Each person is God's sheep. And when there's a lost sheep, that's God's lost sheep. And he's the one who feels it the most. And then he explains the anxiety of a woman. She loses a piece of money, and she's all anxious 
over this. He wants us to really to get into this anxiety of the feeling of lostness. You know what it's like when you lose something? You got that empty feeling like, oh no. So that we can understand the anxiety the father feels over a lost soul. And then he explains the joy that the woman has when she finds a piece of money so that we can understand the joy that he has when a person's saved in Luke 15, 9. And when she had found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together saying, rejoice with me for I have found the piece of that, that I had lost, she says, the peace which I had lost. Every time a person goes on their own way, to turns all the way like sheep have turned astray, turned everyone to his own way. Every time that happens, that Isaiah 53, 6 verse happens, every time a person rises up in rebellion and says, bye-bye, God, that hurts God. That hurts him. He lost that person. He feels that loss more than anyone else. And then he explains the hurt and the anxiety of a son who, of a father, I should say, of a father whose son is lost to the world of pleasures. We would be brought into the understanding of the hurt and the anxiety when the lost died themselves into the world of pleasures. So he explains the joy when the son returns home. So we'd understand God's joy. Again, Luke 15, 24, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost. And this I found, this my son, not the son, my son. And they began to be married. So why did the Lord Jesus Christ tell all these parables about this anxiety and pain and loss over loss and the relief and the joy over recovering the lost in Luke 15? Why do you do that? Because he wants a friend relationship. He wants a friend relationship, not a servant relationship. So he says in John 15, 15, and henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. I've called you friends. He wants us to obey his command to go out and seek the lost because we feel the pain and anxiety that he feels over the lost. So he takes time to explain to us the pain and anxiety that he feels over the lost through these parables. That's the reason why Jacob says to Joseph in verse 13, do not die, brethren, feed the flock in Shechem. And when Jacob said to Joseph, we can hear Jacob just saying to Joseph, your brothers are in Shechem, oh no. (laughs) That's where they brought this greatest hurt to me from the treachery and the murder of all the people in Shechem. I'm anxious for them. That's the reason why I'm sending you to them. He explains that Jacob says to Joseph, come and I'll send thee unto them. See, Jacob says in verse 13 there, come and I'll send thee unto them. See, that's very interesting. You know, why would you say come? You'd say go. He says come. He says in that word come, we see that Jacob was not just wanting Joseph to go, just get the job done, bring me back a report, but in that that very special word come, we're seeing how Jacob wanted Joseph to have Jacob's heart in this work. And God has called every believer to the work of, of evangelism to the work of recovery, the recovery work, recovery of the lost. He says in Mark 16, 14, afterward he appeared unto the 11 as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, hard, because they believed not them, not them which had seen him after he was risen. Right away, he goes on after abrading them for their hard-heartedness, he says, he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, 
but he that believeth not shall be damned. See, when it comes to every believer doing the work of evangelism, there's two problems. There's two problems. The first problem is when a believer says, no, it just says, no, I'm not going to do the work of evangelism. Are you kidding? Go out there, make a fool out of myself, get turned out to reject. I don't, I don't, I don't do rejection. You know, I don't do well with rejection. You do the work of evangelism, you got to do well with rejection. You got to handle it. The work of evangelism. You do sales, you got to do good with rejection. That's what sales is. Lots of rejection. You get up, you say, okay, there'll be an opportunity to the next person. That's a great salesman we got, Gerardo. He's great with this. You can reject and reject and reject on him. He smiles and says, okay, maybe tomorrow. (laughs) That's the work of evangelism. And the first problem is where the person who says, I don't care if the Lord has called me to do the work of evangelism. I don't want to do it. I won't do it. That's the first problem. Now, he might not be so open about his refusal to do the work. It may be more passive. But at the end, if he doesn't do it, he's saying no to the Lord's call to evangelism either way. And it's significant, as we're saying here, that the Lord was upbraiding his disciples for their unbelief and hardness of heart, and then renews his command to evangelize. So the first problem is the refusal to obey the command to evangelize. Now, the second problem is to do the work of evangelism without the heart of evangelism. See, the problem is to just to go through the mechanics of it, you know, to present the gospel of the lost and without really having a heart for the lost, you know, just to say, okay, one, two, three, you're ready? Okay, next. See, the heart for the lost is a heart of anxiety. It's a heart of pain over the plight of the lost. And again, it's significant that right after giving his command to evangelize, you know, the Lord says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And he wants you to feel that. He wants you to feel the, oh, great joy, recovery, and the saved part, and the, oh, no, terrible anxiety, pain in the damned part. And the reason that the, that the Lord said for the lost to said this is he wanted to say, look, you, I want you to see what's on the line here. What's on the line here? What's on the line is being saved or being damned. And, and so I want you, if you get that, and you really let that absorb into you, then you're going to have a heart of an evangelist. See, Mark 16, 15, the Lord gave us the what of the work of evangelism with go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's the work of evangelism. That's the what of the work, go and preach. But then the next verse, Mark 16, 16, the Lord gives us the why of the work of evangelists. He that believeth and baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. That's the why. That's the why of the work. That's the heart of the work. The heart of the evangelist is a heart that is broken for the lostness of the lost. It's a painful heart for the doom of the lost. It's an anxious heart for what's on the line, what could be, and what is unnecessary to happen for the loss. But it's mainly, it's also an anxious heart, which is the anxious heart of the father. It's for the loss of the father's gonna have as the one who lost them. He's the one who lost them. That's what we see in verse 13 when Jacob says to Joseph, come, come to me, in other words, come, and then I'll send you to them. So when we look at verse 13 and 14, there are three important words that Jacob says to Joseph. 
And they're like three steps. They're like three steps. The first in verse 13, Jacob says to Joseph the word come. This is the coming step where Joseph would come to Jacob so Joseph would have the heart of Jacob and know why he is going. Come is only said to a friend. It's not said to a servant. So you don't need this. You got a servant relationship. You don't need the person to come. Just go do the job. I don't care how you feel about it. Just get it done. But when you have a friend, you say, come, come to me. Let me get close to you. And second, in verse 13, Jacob says to Joseph, send. That's the sending step where Joseph would receive the personal commission from Jacob that he's being sent by Jacob. And third, in verse 14, Jacob says to Joseph, go. That's the going step. That's Joseph who's making the decision to go to obey, and he's putting in action this commission. Those are the three distinct steps. Come, come, where Joseph got the heart of Jacob for why he should go. Send, where Joseph gets the personal commission from Jacob to go. Go, where Jacob actually moves. And he goes out with the motivation of the heart of Jacob and obedience to the sending command of Jacob. Come, send, go. Well, we got this exact same application in evangelism. We must come to the Lord in evangelism to feel his heart of pain and anxiety. We must be sent by the Lord to a specific person or people, and we must actually go then. That's our part. If we skip the first step of coming first to the Lord for, to get his heart, and we know that we're sent to a person or a people and we go, we're heartless, we're cold, we're indifferent to what happens to the lost. We may become Calvinists. <laughs> Say, well, you know, I don't like that. No, no, impossible. No? But if we come to the Lord and get his heart for the lost and then skip going to the lost, we're just loyal. We're disobedient to the Lord. It was very important for Joseph to come when Jacob has said come. And we see this all played out in Romans 8 and 9. Romans 8 and 9. When you look at Romans 8 and 9 together and fuse them together, nobody ever does that. They always say, oh, no, no, we're at 9. Okay, new chapter breaks. We forget about what's before. Here we go. But that's not, you know, we're tempted to do that. We're tempted to look at Romans 9 in isolation and say, okay, with Romans 9, Paul's starting the new subject of the Jewish people, and he starts off in Romans 9, 1, and he says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart, for I could wish myself were cursed from Christ, for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites. So first of all, when you come to chapter 9, we've got to realize when he wrote this, there were no chapter divisions, okay? There were no chapter divisions in the original Greek here when Paul wrote Romans. It was one complete, just write it, and you just read it just straight on through. The chapter divisions are relatively recent. In chapter, so that means we have to really focus on what's in chapter 8 and what's in chapter 9 and how those two are related. See, chapter 8, Paul gets the closest ever to the heart of God in all the book of Romans. He speaks about the Spirit of God. Spirit is 14 times, something like that. More than any other chapter. It's the Spirit of God dwelling in us.
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live, located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back. So join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship.